Agents Podcast. Welcome to the Lab Code Agents Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Lab Code Agents Marketing Center. The LCA Marketing Center is designed specifically for the real estate world. It's a design center for marketing that has templates created so you can just plug and play. From flyers, postcards, buyer presentations to open house signs and Instagram posts. Check it out for free for seven days at lcamarketingcenter.com. Lab Coat Nation. In this week's episode of the Lab Coat Agents podcast, we talked with Chris Prefontaine about how real estate agents can create a secondary income by becoming a niche expert and new solution provider for clients who need financial options when buying or selling homes. This is a fascinating episode by the best-selling author of Real Estate on Your Terms with lots of great takeaways. So let's get started. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Lab Code Agents podcast. And today we come to you with another guest that I have not met until like 30 seconds ago. And so <laughs> I am very excited to introduce this gentleman who has a killer resume, uh, Mr. Chris Prefontaine, who is the founder of Smart Real Estate Coach, over 29 years of experience in the real estate field, the author of Real Estate on Your Terms, still acquiring roughly five to 10 properties every month, controls between 20 and $30 million in real estate, all done on terms without using his own cash, credit, or signing for loans. That right there, Chris, I guarantee just perked up a lot of ears. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me, Jeff. I appreciate it. So before we get into some details and talk about what you do, which is a lot of stuff, I'd like the audience just if they don't know who you are, because we have a large West Coast contingency and you were up on the Northeast to said you're in Rhode Island today. Uh, so I'd like to know a little bit more about you, where, where you do business and kind of what your upbringing up is in the business all 29 years. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking about taking that out of the bio so I don't date myself. But <laughs> yeah, I started uh, early 90s building homes, transitioned into owning a realty executives franchise actually as a realtor. Uh, it was the first time going from builder to that was different. I sold that to Cobalt Banker in 2000. Uh, started coaching actually realtors first. This is why this is so coincidental. I'm on your show, uh, mostly Canada at that time, Canada and US. And then we're building my own investments. And then that led obviously up to the lovely debacle of 08. And at which time we had, you know, I don't know, 20 something properties all signed on personally, all leveraged. And so that was a complete nightmare. It took us about three years to wind, maybe four years to wind out of that. And then that sparked the reengineering of what we do now, which is all on terms, as you alluded to, because of what happened, precisely because of what happened. Awesome. Uh, you, you say, where do we operate? We operate Connecticut, Rhode Island, Mass., our own company, it's family. It's myself, my son-in-law, Zach, and my son, Nick, in a great team. And then we have uh, people doing deals with us all around North America. So students. Right on. So what would you say, you know, kind of taking us back uh, a ways, you know, you said you owned a real estate company. You sold it in 2000. So that was a long time ago. Yeah. And, and so what was your, like, how long were you in real estate as an agent? Um, and, and, and what did that look like? I got my license in like 94. Four-ish. Um, after I sold, I was on a non-compete. I stayed licensed with them until I moved to Rhode Island in 04. When I moved to Rhode Island in 04, I hung it as my own broker's license, but didn't do much other than my son and I were here. And then wound out of that uh, intentionally around 2012 or 13. 
Okay. Awesome. And so, and since then you have been, you've completely backed away from selling real estate. Yeah. I don't do that as a realtor anymore. I just buy and sell our own properties and with our students. What do you do? So you own a lot of properties. So what do you do with your properties? Yeah. So all our exits, Jeff, almost all of them, uh, with some exceptions we can talk about later, are rent to own. So unlike a lot of the rent to own, either teachers or programs out there, we set them up to, to cash out. So they're going to be accepted into our home, these tenant buyers who need time, whether it's seasoning, more deposit, credit fix, whatever it might be. We're doing a few things. We're getting pre-qualified, so we know the same ratios as anyone else would know in a pre-qual, but we're going to make sure that the mortgage-ready date, two years, three years, 18 months, whatever it is, is going to coincide with the terms we have with our seller so we can make sure that thing gets cashed out on time. And, you know, it's just, I don't have to tell this audience, but it's an enormous pool of buyers that can't walk in a bank today and get qualified. Anywhere from three months to 36 months, they need time. And that's who we, that's who we serve, basically. This is an interesting topic. We were just talking about this uh, in, in our market recently about a company that's coming out and doing this. And my first question was, what are the percentages of people that get into this? Because I am a lender, by the way. And so I have a lending background. And so, but what we find is that you get somebody who doesn't qualify today and you put them on a path to qualify in six months, a year now, 36 months. And I'd say 95% of the time, they do not follow through. Okay, we're the opposite with inverse relationships. This is a huge point, especially coming from you from the mortgage business. So we put some cheese there, right? There's some incentive there. What, I, what is that? Bunch of things. So in the beginning, if they pre-qualify and they come back with, hey, their mortgage ready date could be this if they follow the exact plan, then we do a few things. A non-refundable down payment. So it's not like they're a renter wishing they can someday buy. They will default. I guarantee you they'll default. But these are people that are maybe sidelined. We call them penalty box buyers because they might be self-employed. They literally went into the bank to, to get a loan and we don't do state loans anymore or we do and they're costly. So these guys got, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 grand down. They are buyers that just didn't realize they needed more time or they got a curveball thrown at them. And so we're anywhere between 2 and 10% dropout rate versus 2 to 10% finance rate. It's a big difference. Fascinating. What do you do with the dropout rate? What do you do with the dropouters? Okay, so most of those are life events and we've had them all that you can imagine. Divorce, death, relocate, uh, came across money. So, you know, they move on. Most of them are quite amicable, like clean the house, here's the keys, or here's the keys and they're crying. And they move on and then we either just sell it conventionally with a realtor because we're not licensed anymore. Or if our term allows it, or if we own it subject to and it's long, long term anyway, we just do another rent to own. So either way, it's usually a win either way. It's not a big deal. I was going to say the seller still holds on to the down payment then. Uh, yeah, in that case, it's us. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. So, you know, and okay, here, we, here we go down this rabbit hole because this, this is interesting. <laughs> what, what is it that got you guys into this field, like kind of in this segment of the field? And, yeah. and, and how is it that you find this buyer? Yeah, good, two good questions. So the, it, it happened organically as far as how we get into it. But, but what sparked it is coming out of the crash, the OA crash. And then saying, okay, so how do we buy? We buy without using money or credit because I had none. Okay, great. So how do we sell? Well, my wife said to me at one time, this is early on. She said, look, you've done all this work. So I had to painfully work with creditors, painfully get my credit that went from 750 to 500 to back up. And she said, why don't you help people do that? And so that's what sparked it. And then the rent tone thing just organically happened. And then it's such a healthy win-win when you can have a seller that was having a headache trying to sell, the buyer that thought, literally most of them thought, screw it, I can't do it. 
and then us. So it's a win, win, win. And, and so that just came together like that. And that's now it's all we do. We carry like 50 or 60 of those at a time. And our associates around the country, if you combine them, we're doing like 15 of these a month, you know? Wow. Wow. Okay. So then how do you find this person? How do you find these buyers? Okay. That's my son's specialty, but most of it's online. That's not the hard part because of the large pool of buyers. I mean, it's as high as 80% of the buyer pool in some areas, as you probably know, when you're messing around with buyers, if you take a snapshot today. So the, the harder part or the more important part to be picky about is not finding them. Because if you offer terms out, you're offering something nobody has. You're the, like the only door open, right? For that, for that avenue. But it's once you get them, putting them through the pre-qualification process so we don't get the glorified renter that's going to default, that we do get the true buyer, that they do understand it's rent owned, that they do understand they're acting, behaving, and paying for like they own it. This is just like they own it. They just don't have a mortgage. Like they're paying, they're capturing the equity. They're capturing any appreciation if there is some, and they're paying for the maintenance as if they own it. So that's all set up ahead of time. That's more important because the buyers will come. As long as you're priced right, meaning you're monthly, and you're fair on your on your sale price, there's a plethora of buyers. It's just a matter of screening and literally creating a little bit of competition and then picking. We have a process that does that automatically. Got it. What's what are the biggest what are what are your your, your uh, biggest portals that are that are driving the most? Uh, I think Nick would tell you uh, like when, the, the 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 syndication we use hits them all at once. But like Rentlinks is big. I know Craigslist is still in there. All those all the automated ones. Awesome. Do you guys use yeah. social social media much? Uh, started to do a little bit more in the marketplace, Facebook marketplace. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's get away from that. Uh, let's get away from that rabbit hole for a second and, and let's, let's just kind of talk about some of the things that, that you specialize in. And so, uh, you know, one of the, the obvious questions is, you know, what does it mean to buy and sell a property on terms? Yeah. This is cool because I wish, I really wish as much as I was around real estate a long time before I was a realtor and then throughout the process, I didn't know this or I, I would have, I would have captured a whole bunch of more deals because as I'll relate it to the realtor and answer the question. So as, as a realtor or non-realtor, you go into a home and a lot of the properties we're picking up are from expired listings or for sale by owners, no different than a realtor can look and some for rent by owner. But usually it's something that probably didn't fit in the box of a realtor, over leveraged, owe what they, it's worth, don't want to do a short sale, have good credit, just can't afford to pay a commission. All of these things that you might walk away from or the normal embarrassment of, hey, it expired, I did everything I could. Well, now you can buy it on either a lease purchase or owner financing. And you're the hero because there's not many agents in your market that are going to be able to do that skill level wise and just understanding how to get that deal to the finish line. So, so how does somebody get into doing it this way? Can you get a little bit more granular about how to understanding that? Sure. So you want to take like a lease purchase? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's use a simple round number because my brain will work easier. Let's say that you're my seller and your house is worth 300 grand, whether you were a FISBO or an expired, doesn't matter. Let's say, let's give it some equity. Let's say there's a 250 mortgage and, the sell, and you're the seller and you said, look, I, I just won't go low and it didn't sell on the market yet. So I don't need my 50 today. I want my full price. That's the person we want. Someone that needs their money to go buy a house tomorrow is not a fit. They've got to be able to wait, but they will get a little more money for obvious reasons in a minute. So 250 300 worth. They normally would pay a fee for a realtor and have all the normal costs, right? And an offer. We say to them, look, Jeff, I'll guarantee you your 50,000 as long as that 300 is fair. 
I'll guarantee you 50,000 cash out. So it's not about price. Real quick. So when you say fair, how are you justifying it? being Market value within, yeah, as long as it's not grossly overpriced. You're providing a CMA of some sort. Yeah, just a rough one. I mean, there's enough online resources for us now. Yes. Okay. So we say to you, I know you might've gotten an offer lower. I know you might've paid a fee, but we can lock in your 50,000. I really thought they were going to net, but it didn't sell. At the end, here's the deal though. At the end of say 36 months, let's use that example. We're going to pay you your 50 and we're going to pay off the underlying debt, which used to be 250. Now it's less that accrues to us. So they're happy. They got more cash than they were going to get out of it. We're happy. We get the principal pay down and we got monthly spread as well. And of course we mocked it up a little bit. So we have three paydays on all these deals. Interesting. So when, when you're setting this up though, who's then carrying the note over the three years? Who's yep. So that's us. So um, on your house, go back to you as the example, you have a, a note of 250, your payments, uh, 1500 bucks for a round number. We would make it, especially if we were new, now we, we can get a little more creative, but we would make it contingent upon us finding our tenant buyer first. And as soon as we find our tenant buyer, 30 days later after they occupy, so we capture the first month too, we're taking over your mortgage payment. We're responsible for it. Now, of course, we're collecting higher, say 1800 from our tenant buyer. So there's that monthly spread. When I said we have three paydays, that's payday two. So you're relieved of maintenance, repairs, your mortgage payment, everything until the end of that term, by which time we pay off that 50 grand equity and pay off your loan. Escrow as well? Uh, yeah, anything it accrues or overages or anything comes back to us at the end. Interesting. Okay. And so from, from your perspective, so again, we're talking to a large group of real estate professionals, mainly agents. Is this a strategy? So like if I'm sitting here listening to this right now and I'm thinking to myself, okay, first of all, this is fascinating, great, good information, but what am I going to do with this? Yeah. I would, if I was back in my, with my realtor hat on, and it's like it was yesterday to me, I would go into the home and this is a better way to do business anyway, as a realtor. And I would go in with one thought in mind, what's best for the seller? Because for some sellers, it is better for them to move on, have you buy it as an investor. Some sellers, it's definitely better for you to sell it as a realtor because they want out tomorrow and they need all their money out. So really look at it and say, here are your options, but I think this is best for you. So then morally and ethically, you're doing them a huge favor and they'll know that because your profit's different on all of them. And it's not hard to figure that out when you present to them. That's what I would do. So then you go into the, the appointments now and there's not too many homes you, and sellers you can't help. Really not, unless someone's like, you know, a year or two behind with no equity. But uh, so many other scenarios you can, you can help. Uh, let me give you an example, over leverage. Uh, we took many properties, 13 and 14, that were in theory over leveraged for the market. All Ups you upside down. Yeah, yeah. You push the term way out. Way out, I'm talking nine, 10 years. So then you have time to have that principal pay down come down, whether the market comes up or, or not. Uh, now we happen to get both in a lot of markets lately, but you get 10 years of principal pay down. That usually takes care of it. You solve their headache. They can't get out of the home and you just created a nice little nest egg for yourself. Do you ever find though that these sellers, that anybody has an issue with, because a lot of people when they're selling the house, they need that equity to buy the next house. Yeah, many do. But I mean, at the volume we do, I will tell you about 30, 40% of the people we talk to don't need it today, especially if you target, and this is another topic, but if you target free and clear owners, they, if they needed the money, they would have yanked it out presumably. So those are great people to do longer term owner financing or lease purchase deals with. Is there Pretty any, clear. They is don't there, own uh, that which makes sense. Is there any skin in the game for them 
um, in the term, so because you, you had mentioned that your company now is collecting the monthly nuts. So anything that, you know, any cash flow goes to you guys. Yeah. Is there any, so there's nothing necessary to gain for them along the way. It's just a waiting game of, I promise you, you're going to get your 50 grand. Correct. Yeah, correct. Or let's take it, uh, some extreme examples. We did a $950,000 oceanfront home, just so people don't think it's always someone's having a headache. And in this building we're in right now, this is owner financing. And it's in an area where most people would say, they're not going to owner finance you. No, there are plenty of people that want to, for state reasons, tax reasons, and cash flow reasons, they want to push the term out if it's free and clear. And if it's just debt relief back to the mortgage thing, yeah, they say, okay, I, my, I'm contractually obligated to make sure their loan's paid off by this date, even if they get nothing coming out of it. That's interesting. I mean, and I think I, what I'm thinking here is, is that as a, as a realtor, I think most realtors, you go in, you know, as a listing agent, just for example, with one, a one track mind. And yeah, I did. And sell house, make a commission, yeah. move on. Yeah. Okay. So let's address that. You bring up something really cool that I didn't bring up because I did it. Okay. You sell one house, you get a check other than referrals, you're done, right? Back to work. So in the peak years, the last three years before I sold, we were doing hundred homes a year. That's good volume. I, but I remember like it was yesterday, Jeff, that I would get to January and go, oh, I got to do it again. Like I got to create all that again other than referrals. So this way, now here are the paydays. You're, now you come into this thing and you feel it's best for you to buy it with the, with the owner. You create payday one, non-refundable down payment from your buyer right in your pocket. Payday two, monthly spread, nice cash flow. Create three or four of those right away. You got a nice thing. And payday four, back-end markup in price and principal pay down. You have three paydays. So you... You start to chart 12 of these on an Excel. I remember when I started the first year, you put these out. You already have a nice little wealth chart where you can back off for six months if you want and chill out. I mean, it's pretty cool paydays. We average around 78 grand a deal here in this area. We have students as low as 45,000 out in Arizona and as high as 200. Total. In total. All three paydays. Yeah. And so give, so give us an example. So when you say, you mentioned yours, what's your average price point? Uh, around here, we're going to run pretty much in the 280 to 680 range. Okay. And so on a lower end, you mentioned in the 40s, what kind of price point is that? She's in the hundreds, 200s would be higher twos would be high end for her. Okay. But, but let me make up, there's exceptions to everything, but there's, here's a rule of thumb I use when I teach it. If you have a home, let's go free and clear now. You have a home where it's free and clear and you can structure an owner financing deal. I didn't even bring this up, but we do principal only payments on these free and clears. You get a home 200 grand or higher, four year terms or better, principal only payments, you get a six figure deal all three paydays, all day long. Those are more profitable than lease purchases because you have principal pay down. The whole thing is going to principal pay down. Interesting, interesting. So where, what, so you leave interest out, where's the interest go? There is none. Yeah, we don't we don't do it. You don't have to unless there's some caveats with the IRS laws like over a million non uh, principal residents, things like that that my CPA outlined for us. Most deals we touch, you can do you can do principal only. Interesting, interesting. Now, and so so why would they do that? I know that's what you're going to say. So they do that because so many people are tied ego wise. Sellers are, and you guys know this to price. So they say, I'll get you a price if I get my term, and then you have that discussion. So this building here, we've been in for a little more than a year. Uh, older gentleman has a bunch of land holdings in the area and wanted owner financing. He, he wanted it, but he wanted the conventional, hey, give me this much percent down and we'll do it that way. So I said, hmm, he's not going to give in for 20 years of principal only. But what I did is I structured the first several payments in the down payment and everything, all principal. 
So we took a 550 purchase price. And by the time I started amortizing it not too long ago, I was down to 470. And I've only been in this since November of last year. So not that long. Now I'm amortizing it like 5%. I'm okay with it. But we captured so much principal at the beginning. But most, but he's sophisticated. Most sellers would be like, yeah, if I get my price, that's fine. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And so uh, the, actually the next question I was going to ask you was, is we've, you've mentioned coming up with a, a sale price. So again, use that 300 and 251 example. You're then selling at the third payday is the ultimate sale. That's a risk to you. That's a risk, to, to, right? So, so how are you determining what that future price looks like? I'm usually looking. If you if you tore apart all our properties, I'm probably somewhere between two and twelve percent uh, markup when I get it. As long as I get it, you know, I got to get it market or below. But it, but the reason I say that is not like wholesalers and rehabbers will go in. And we get this response from sellers saying, "Oh yeah, they want to steal my house for sixty or seventy cents on the dollar." We say, "No, we'll give you fair market value as long as we get our term." So it's very important. And then the risk to address that. I mean, let's say at the end of the the, the period, the uh, market dropped on the buyer. It's really a risk for them because in their contract is no contingency for appraisal. They either have to come up with more cash or walk away. And so far in this market, obviously, it's been pretty good in most pockets. There's been some challenges, maybe two or three with, with appraisals, but not many. So is it really a huge risk? No, it just turn into a rental if we had to and extend the term, worst case. So to, okay. to get recession resistant, I won't say proof, I don't think that exists, but to get resistant, we've just pushed all our terms out longer and longer with our sellers, seven, nine, 10 years. So they don't, I don't worry about it at night, you know? Do they want a chunk of cash to extend it? Uh, sometimes, good point. So we usually do that um, at, during Christmas time. We go to all our seller financing and we say, look, but it's not a fee, it's a, an advance paid on a principal. And we've got one that for three years in a row sent me an email at Christmas. Hey, you can do that again. All I did is say, here's five grand or six grand, I think it was, principal pay down, extended for 12 months. Well, our principal payment was like a grand. So we gained so much by that. And then the third year, this is supposed to be a four-year deal. The third extension, so we're out seven years now. I said to them, hey, how about if we extend it to 15 years and I start giving you interest? And they said, in a day or two, my accountant loves it. Let's do it. So that deal turned into a 21-year deal and it was originally a four-year deal. Holy cow, which turned into cool. massive profits, I imagine. Oh, that's crazy. It'll be paid off and then some, yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Okay, so again, let's go back to the real estate agent's mindset here. And so I think we've explained that pretty well. I, th I think somebody can understand that. So again, uh, and, I th and I think I asked this, but I'm going to ask it again, yeah. is, is as, as a real estate agent, you know, so again, put yourself in that mindset. Let's just mm -hmm. say you're, you're coaching someone. I walked in your door tomorrow and said, I'm a realtor. I'm not leaving real estate to, to go onto your platform and do this full time. I just want to sell real estate. Your advice to them, I assume, is, is to, to shift their mindset about how they approach a seller. That, would that be correct? Yeah, just open it more. Don't change it. Open it more instead of, uh, you know, here's your option. Here's the market value. Here's, the, here's what we need to sell it at. And this is what it's going to take. I'm the expert agent. Okay. Instead, say, here are some other options based on what you've told me about your life and your story and your timing and your motivation. Here are some other options. I can buy it as well. And then they, they know your hand's not worried about just the commission because you honestly and morally and ethically have given them other options. So just be open to now, it. But when you say I'm buying it, AKA the real estate agent, you're out actually buying it. Your, your contract is going to be with you. Their contract's going to be with you with your right to assign it or sublet it. Is there a certain, I guess that depends on the state, but so obviously yeah. you're, you're not going on the deed or anything. You're not uh, going not on a mortgage. Not with a lease purchase. 
with owner financing, we are, and we didn't even bring up subject two. It's a more complex discussion, but those two, one, you go on deed, one, you don't. Interesting. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So let's, let's, uh, let's continue to, let's continue down this path. Unless you've got anything else to add about. No, no, I'm good. I'll fall out following it. It's good questioning. Okay, perfect. Well, I, and, and frankly, you know, I, I do a lot of this interviewing uh, from a place of, of curiosity, right? That's and, what I do. But, I love it. Yeah. But also, but also trying to put myself like not, not selfish either, like put myself in the mind of, of the listener yeah. as best as I can. Agreed. Okay. Awesome. So let's just say I'm a new investor. I'm a real estate agent, but also want to get investing. Cause let's be honest, if you're a real estate agent and you're not getting into real estate investing, I don't know, without being an ignorant, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't sound crass either. So thank you. But you know, you might as well wealth build, you know what the heck you're doing. If you're selling enough volume, your, your fingers on the pulse every day, you're going to see the most deals than I ever could from lead generation. Yes. So how does one become a full-time or additional time real estate entrepreneur? You know, I say this to, on every uh, interview. I, I, obviously, I'm not so naive to think we're the only game in town, right? There's a lot of free stuff, including our stuff, online. So I always tell people this, realtors included. Find like, there's a bunch of these little niches that would help your business. Find that online. Then within that niche, find someone you can relate to. Some people think we're too aggressive, too blunt. You know, we move fast. We're in New England. Okay. But there are people out there that, could, that can help if it's not us. Just make sure you align with them value-wise and, person, you know, everywhere. Then here's the key as a realtor. Follow that and integrate that in your biz for three years. Like, don't get caught up with shiny object syndrome. Just go, I got it. I, I trust this person. I've done my due diligence. And then incorporate that into your business for the next three years. I promised them they'll have a great experience. And I would say that about almost any business, not just real estate. If you do that, those three steps, that's what I would say to do for anyone. So to, to explain that in simpler terms is find the platform. If it's not Chris Prefontaine and, and smart real estate coach, find the platform who's teaching this, who's coaching this and invest in it, get in it, learn it and commit to it. Yeah. Cause you will, you will do two things. You'll three things. You'll expand how many deals you can do. In those, you'll create wealth, not just one payoffs. And three, you will look like and in, in, in like plant your flag in your market as the expert. Like this guy is so creative. It spreads like wildfire. You're an agent and you can buy. It's, it's night and day. It's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. And, and I, think, I think that the general mindset of the realtor is, is, is one that, hey, I have access to this data every single day. I have access like not the average person. Yeah. But I think their mindset is more, is more simplistic in the sense that I should just start buying and selling or buying and renting, right? I should do buy and hold or buy, you know, flip. At whatever. least that, yeah. Um, yeah, we keep some in our portfolio, but, but, but the majority we do what you and I talked about, but we haven't great ones that we just keep because there's no reason to get rid of them. And again, to, to try to simplify the thought process on this to our listeners is this is deeper. Like this is, this just goes to show you what you have access to that can expand your portfolio or expand your business, like probably tenfold and probably way farther than that when it comes to actual income. Oh, I believe so. You, you chuck up a dozen of these. I used that earlier. You got a, you got a probably a, let's be conservative. You've got probably a half a million to a million in the next three to four years on your spreadsheet, boom. Now it's gonna take some time to get those, but you can do that. I think I did maybe 13 my first six months because I had a realtor background. They have an advantage and their learning curve is short as long as they're coachable. 
And that's who we're talking to. So you listening right now, you are look, look in your rear view mirror or at the gym, look in the mirror that you're staring at. And uh, you're one of them. You have access to this stuff. You yep. should be doing this. So, you know, you just mentioned that. So one of the questions that, that, that we have here is, is, you know, how do you gain financial freedom? When you become an investor, but I think you kind of answered that. I mean, yeah. you acquire 12 of these, you're going to create potentially uh, half a million dollars in income, income, not, not just assets, it's income, right? It's not equity. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think, I, I, do you have anything else to add to the, to the financial freedom piece? Well, I was just conservative because I hate to be the one. I, I Look, I can't stand like the midnight commercials and, you know, it's six months, two months, three months, you're going to be get all this money. No. I said a half million, but I, you know, my guy in DC did like, I think it was 1.8 million in his first 18 months. He, he used to be a leasing agent, not a realtor, but he had, you know, there's like a foundation of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So, so I was conservative on that. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's pretty amazing. So what two strategies would you recommend that, that, uh, that a new investor prioritize? The one we talked about the lease purchase for sure, because we have $10 built into our agreements, right? They're not, they're not throwing themselves out there. And then there's a kind of a twist to that strategy. And as a realtor, it's super easy. And that is you do what you and I talked about where you put the home in agreement. You find the same tenant buyer, but then you assign that tenant buyer back to your seller. So you are acting more like you're used to doing, um, but you capture a nice chunk of money up front, perhaps bigger than your commission would have been. And you're out, but that's a one payday. That's why I didn't talk about it that much. But those are simple, no risk, no money in, simple deals. How how complicated is the back end of this? You know, so if I'm sitting here thinking about this, and, and I guess part of it is because I guarantee there's somebody thinking about this right now, thinking to myself themselves, I don't need smart real estate coach to do this. I can do this on my own. Sure. Um, we have some people that go through our basic basic online course. I don't really talk to them. They'll my emails, and they're off doing deals police officer in Jersey, for example, has done like almost 30 deals. He says hi every now and then, buddy. I don't, I don't coach him. So yeah, some of the realtors could do it. They just need the right forms. Our basic, basic stuff does that. Um, the forms are pretty custom. And look, I, like I said earlier, it's not just me doing these twists. I think we have the best like A through Z, we got you back covered. We actually give a hoot if you do deals versus selling stuff like most people. And I don't, I don't mean that to be a dig to anyone, but you got to have the right forms because you know this from being in the biz, and you know this from being a lender. It changes too much. And if you're, if you're not using the right forms, you're just setting yourself up for a, a, a suit or just a headache. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very, very true. And okay, so, so let's just say, you know, we're past all of this. I'm all on board. I'm going to go forward with this. You know, what goes in to, um, to running this? Um, okay. So especially if you're a realtor already, if you don't have a personal assistant, um, I would suggest if I was coaching you that you get one, even if it's eight hours a week, because I can show you how to put that eight hours at 15 bucks an hour to, to much more productive use. And that that's all you need. So to run out 50 or 60, my son and, and now a full-time as of this year, uh, runs the entire portfolio, all the, all the cash outs, everything. And so we coach and just run our portfolio on the side really right now. You need yourself and a, and a personal assistant is first and foremost. Okay. And so let's go, go a little deeper on that. And so yeah, I say, I, if you, if you said to me, this wasn't a real realtor audience, so you just need you at first, you know, until you get to like deal three. But if you're already got a business going, don't muddy that or, or get your focus out of, out of line. So sorry, I had to go back to that. Sure. Sure. And, and so again, you, I, let's say I'm a realtor. I do have a full-time gig. What are the primary tasks that I need my admin or my assistant to do? 
it's just going to be, believe it or not, your forms because you're already going out and seeing the sellers. It's not like you're not going to skip a beat. It's you learn going through the learning curve, so there will be some time for you to learn, right? So you, so you put aside some time morning or night or weekend. Once you get that, you pass that though, your assistant's going to help you with the paperwork and some light follow-up. I remember bringing my first one on like 2012 or 13 where I said, I just can't, I want to keep moving as these buyers are coming in the back door. I need you to just get these forms done and send them up to the attorney. That's it. So when, as the buyers are coming in, you're pla- you're, who's placing them with the property? Uh, everything. Okay. This is probably surprise some realtors, but we don't show the properties ever. Our seller, if they're still in the home, understands they're going to open the door. They're going to show them the house. They're going to answer questions in the house. They're not going to talk anything about rent owner numbers. That's not their function. We educate the buyer the same. So we don't go out again once we get the property. If it's empty, it's on a lockbox, and there's a system, obviously, to make sure that we're sending the right people in. But that's how we run the, the buyer. So then it's a system of videos and automation that has them fill out what we call a next step form to see if they're going to even get to the point of qualifying and seeing if they're mortgage ready. Then we're having a meaningful conversation. Up until then, it's all automation, videos, them pre-qualifying themselves out or in, and then us getting a next step form to really see the picture. What's the income? What's the down payment? Wow, that's automated. Interesting. So it's it's not extremely time consuming from the perspective of a traditional real estate agent having to go out and show homes. No, and the expectations not the same with the seller because you educate them ahead of time. Again, a lot of this is automated. That is uh, okay. That's that's fascinating. And I guess in order to learn all of this, in order to have access to all this, this is why you hire somebody like yourself. Well, if that's a, if we're a fit, yeah, and it's palatable, then I'd love to work with realtors because it's wide open field for them. Yeah, yeah. Is that so? When you got into this, is that something that was that was that a target? You know, what what was your what was your vision or your mission? You know, it wasn't initially. It just and we still haven't even taken the time to say let's quote unquote target. It's just that they'll come to us and find us now because we're exposed and having some huge closing success with students. So no, it hasn't even yet. Like I've been on maybe three or four of these type of podcasts where it's just the primary is, is realtors. And you'd think it'd be a shoe in, but I don't, there was no conscious thing to say, we're not going to, we're going to, we just started growing at word of mouth. So it's social proof essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. We do what I'm doing, um, Jeff, that I think is important for everybody to know our family, not me. Uh, we're closing this gap. It's just, it's a sad gap because it's, it's that gap between, okay, I took a course or I went to a seminar and then I did a deal. We call it TTFD, time to first deal. Our, our vision, our mission is to do transactions and to close that gap. Not to just, we don't have a goal in our conference room to say, we're going to sell these many things. Our goal is transaction driven. But that, so that's every decision we make is, can we get Jeff doing more deals, period. And that's a big difference in our, in our field. There's just too many people that want to sell you something that they won't, you won't hear from again. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, so why is there skin in that game for you? Why, why do you care? Well, if we're going to, some people choose to do deals with us at a certain point to get more aggressive and we rev share with them. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's why when I say I do deals around the country, it's not just consulting. We actually do the deals. Like I'll be on the phone, you know, my son-in-law will be on the phone. Nick will be on the phone with the buyer. I mean, we're doing it like it's ours and we're rev sharing it. And at a certain point, they cut loose because they don't need us in their life forever. Sure. But by sure. then they know it. It's almost like um, it, it's a crawling before walking. They feel more comfortable having somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah. Like, Oh, I got this. Now. I, what do I, how do I structure? What do I do? You know, I know I saw your video, but can you help me with this? Interesting. That's pretty fascinating. And that's a win-win. It's a win-win for everybody. No question. Yeah. yeah, no question. 
I love it. I love it. So what, so when you got into this, was it just kind of an investing mindset? Was it a, I'm going to be a coach mindset? How was it? No, it was deals for us because coming out of that four year window where I had a full-time job of digging out a bunch of crap, I literally almost didn't get back in the biz after all those years. And then I said, okay, that's stupid. I talked to some mentors, said, well, how could I? No credit, no more cash reserves. And I had all that in a nice spot. So how could I? Terms. That's it. And then I start. I got a call in 2013, I think it was. We have a war college here. And we got a call from a guy that had been through three tours in Afghanistan. He said, I heard about you. I'm going back to, I think it was Ohio. I need someone to teach me. Can you just show me what you do? That was literally the first person. And then that grew word of mouth. And now we've got, I don't know, 80 people or so doing deals and several thousand have gone through our course. And it all word of mouth. And that was kind of that mindset shift for you guys to say, holy crap, we're onto something here. We might as well. Yeah, I honestly thought people doing this. I I thought I screwed up. I didn't know it as a realtor, but I thought, oh, they got to be doing it. And then I realized every time now it's prevalent. But back then I was like, oh, people don't know how to do that. Sellers don't know how to do it. Buyers don't know that we're here. So it's super positive. That's fair. Which, which again, goes back to the whole initial, you know, introduction of buying without using your own cash credit or signing up loans. I mean, your risk, your risk is like none. It's minimal. And, and, and even if the thing comes up where you said like something doesn't go right, you know, how many times we just call a seller and go, look, you don't want the home back. We don't want a headache. Can you give us an extension of X? Yeah. That means it's never a headache. Uh, maybe one example in seven years that someone said, no, 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 we need this cash out. Okay. We'll find a way to cash it out. Got it. And, and give it an example of why it didn't, why it didn't. Yeah, I'll give you the exact example. So this is a student too. A student deal is more important morally and ethically for us to get it done. It was his first owner financing. And we did a pretty short term. We don't do the short terms anymore. It's 24 months. And then the buyer got to the end of the 24 months. And the, and the great buyers had a lot of money down. And they needed an extension. So we could have said, no, you're cooked. You lost 60 grand. 60 grand down payment they did. Instead, we went back to the seller. and said, Randy, will you give us an extension? No, I'm building a house out in Texas. He left from Pennsylvania. Yeah. I need a cashed out. Guys, you told me you'd cash it out. You need to stick by your word. So Don and I talked. It was like last Christmas. So Don, we got to cash this thing out. So we borrowed hard money. I don't like to do it, but we borrowed hard money. We got them their extension. They didn't go on the street. The seller's tickle pink, still raving about us. And we're happy. We have more profit because principal pay down, but we made everybody happy. But literally, since 2013, it's the only one where we had to perform. So what ended up happening with that? What we ended cashed up happening it out. With the buyer, but the buyer extended. They cashed it out last June. Okay. Yeah. So so everybody won. It was just a six month win on the guy just wouldn't budge. So but but who continued to own the property? So you cat you cashed the seller out. We had already uh, bought it on a financing at the beginning of the two years. At the balloon date, twenty four months, he's like, balloon. Yeah. I need yeah. a balloon, and it was like three hundred and. 80,000. It wasn't like this tiny balloon. I could just talk to a few people, right? Right. So I just called the mortgage broker like you. He had great connections. And he said, hey, get this guy. He'll do it. And we did it. And six months later, done. Interesting. But you got his money to him ASAP. Yep. And the yeah. buyer just needed a six. He just needed a six-month window. Yeah. So I just assumed the whole time that year, uh, six months, he'll give it to us. Because right. most people do. I waited too long. And I was like, uh-oh. It's the, it's the only one. I think it's important to touch on that. I mean, A, it's important to know that it's only happened to you one time, but it's important to know because we all go into anything, any shiny object, and that, this yeah. includes everything's a shiny object if yeah. you've never done it, um, with this pie in the sky mindset. And it's good to, I wish if I could give you, I could write a book about how many failures I've had because I always went in with the best case mindset mentality. Yeah. This I is mean, what's I, going to happen. 
I'm big on exposing you just so you know, I expose on YouTube, I expose it in my book. I talk, there's a chapter on what can go wrong. Like, I don't want you to come out of a course or a book or anything with, with us going, oh, it's gonna be perfect. And then get out in the field and go, whoa, what happened? Well, that's what happens usually. Cause in the classroom, it's like learning how to surf or learn how to ride a bike. You, someone's with you the whole time. Yeah, perfect, perfect, perfect. Now go and you get blood on your knees. So I try to tell them ahead of time, here's what's gonna happen and here's how you might pivot. Interesting. Uh, so you mentioned this book. Tell us about this book. Sure. So the first one I think you mentioned at the beginning is Real Estate on Your Terms. Uh, the new book came out last year with my son and son-in-law, The New Rules of Real Estate. They both were bestsellers. And I was saying to you before the show, I'm happy to give a link. They just have to mention they, they heard us on the show and we'll, we'll ship it to them. And I don't mean that thing where you, they go, hey, free book. And then you got to put your credit card in for 10 bucks for shipping. Yep. Uh, we'll ship it. It's a hardcover, hard copy bestseller on Amazon, but we will ship it. It costs us six or seven bucks as long as they say they're on your show. Just go to free srec.com i'm sorry free srec book.com free srec for smart real estate coach book.com we'll get it out to you don't forget the book free it probably caused a little bit of a uh a flow there because you got a big audience but we'll do it we'll do it uh we hope so we hope so for your sake and hopefully obviously you know I don't know if you don't know much about lab code agents, but but the whole principle of the group is all about coming from contribution and collaboration and sharing awesome. with no expectation of anything in return. Awesome. And I feel like you know you're a good match because you you're exactly exactly how you're coming. You're not only not selling, you're telling people, listen, I may not be for you, so you might want to go find somebody who's like me, <laughs> um, which I love that, and I think that's that's uh, it's coming from a place where it's it's you're not in their face, and it makes people yeah. feel more comfortable. I can't relate to everybody. They can't relate it. to me. I love it. That's smart. So, you know, you, uh, one last question, because yeah. uh, we've got a little bit of time, you know, you survived the, the crash of 07, 08. I'd say it's pretty much inevitable. Like there's, there's always, it's, it's cyclical, right? There's roller coasters. There's going to be another crash of some sort to some magnitude. Maybe it's not the same. What's some advice you would give to a real estate agent, assuming it's going to happen again in another, in the next 10 years? Yeah. Cause at least be a pullback. Something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Get, get, as much, get as close as you can to resistant of the recession, right? You're not going to get out of it. But, and how do you do that as a realtor? Because I was there in different cycles. Um, diversify into this without sounding biased is a super cool way because if the transactional slows down, you got the, the wealth building. If the wealth building slows down, you get the transactional. And that I, I got to think that would make you sleep better at night. And it's much more well-rounded business, quote unquote, not a transactional, I'm on a treadmill spinning plates all the time totally different. Uh, and then when you're doing that, look for longer terms, like we talked about in the show, just look for structuring longer terms on the deals you go into. I got, I got to imagine that most people are thinking to themselves, because I am, um, I don't think sellers in my market would buy this, like they're not going to go for it. <laughs> and, and, and my guess is your answer is going to be like, you're wrong. You just yeah. need to ask, you just yeah. need to bring it up. Look, that's the biggest question, right? All the time. Will it? Uh, or I vetted it out and I checked it and it looks like it will. No, it no it will. It's a matter of which pond you're going to fish in to find your homes. Is it the expireds if the market's slowing down? Even if it's fast, there's expires, as you know. Is it the FISBOs? Not if it's hot. Is it the for rent by owners? Yeah. You know, there's different pockets. If none of those are hot right now for our strategy, then is it the free and clear niche? Yep. A third of the homes in the United States are free and clear. It's a big number. You could fish in there forever and not go anywhere else. So it will work every time in your marketplace. Now, how do I say that? Benefit of hindsight now. We've got 80 different associates out there doing deals all across the United States. Okay, it works. 
what do you, what do you guys use to, to to dig up this data? Like like platforms like Remind and stuff like that. Uh, which data? Which one? Uh, I like to find free and clear buyers or f- oh, free and clear homeowners. I'm sorry. Yeah, just we we can go on to either PropStream or FreedomSoft, two softwares we use that are on our, our resource section. But that you can buy a list, as you probably know now. I you can buy a list of people that wear pink socks on Wednesday in Colorado. You know, I mean, it's crazy what you can get for data now. Sure. Yeah, there's a bunch of list brokers. Yeah, which which fascinates me that you guys don't seem to have a massive presence or use on social media yet, um, because I think that it, which which tells me you guys are extremely successful. Because uh, social media, I preach, is like it's like going into a gladiator fight, one on one, and if you're not using social media in your business, you're the gladiator with a baseball bat, and the guy who's got social media is going in with a machine gun. You're basically yeah, my, dead. My son, Zach, will, will, I'm going to tell him you said that and he will love you because he's big <laughs> on, on that. But uh, to that point, for, for the first of next month, we have already hired our next ad. Uh, her name is Maddie and she's strictly social media. So we, I made the plunge. I love it. I love it. I guess that 29 years is dating you just a tad. That's exactly right. right. That's why I said <laughs> Zach will be happy you said that. I love it. I love it. Well, awesome. Chris, this has been, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate it. So let's, before we finish, obviously, um, you're a wealth of knowledge. You have a wealth of experience and, and, and success. Uh, share with our listener where if they want to go learn from you, like how can they do that? You already shared it. We'll share it again. But, but how, can they, how can they find more data, more information from you, more education from you? Yeah, so I'm big on free, Jeff. So aside from the book, they can go to the smartrealestatecoach.com. And if they don't mind listening to me for another 55 minutes, I do give a free content webinar. So let it a little bit deeper dive, a little visual. Uh, our YouTube channel has three cool videos a week that are free. One is very, I think it'd be very um, cool for the realtors and that is a deal structure Sunday. So every Sunday, a deal structure Sunday is released where we're breaking down a deal. The good, the bad, the ugly, like it could have went sideways. We're going to tell you what happened, how we pivoted. Um, we have a motivational Mondays and we have Thursday Q and A. So if you subscribe, it's free. You get those three videos every week. But if you want to really dig into the deals, just go to YouTube and like do the deal structure Sundays, look at them all. What and what is that YouTube channel? Uh, you know what? Just put in Smart Real Estate Coach. I honestly don't know the exact. Awesome. You can tell how high tech I, I am, say, right? Jeff? Your 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 son is going to be he's going to be cringing right now when he yes. hears this. Dad, yes. what the hell, man? Come on. <laughs> All right, right on. So that's Smart Real Estate, and obviously, uh, website. Uh, SmartRealEstateCoach.com. SmartRealEstateCoach.com. And if somebody wanted to send you a message, what is the best way to do that? Send it directly to my email, chris at smartrealestatecoach.com, C-H-R-I-S. Awesome. You just said email again, dating yourself. I love email, by the way, but um, a lot of listeners are going to be like, what about Facebook Messenger? What about Instagram? What about text? What about... Let's make it easy. When they go register for the webinar, just hit the contact button. How's that? <laughs> I like it. I like it. And again, uh, a free book. Is it, which book is it? If they go to freesrecbook.com, what are they getting? The real Estate On Your Terms. Real Estate On Your Terms, which yep. is the original. That's the OG. Yeah, because they're going to get everything you and I just talked about with examples in more depth. Awesome. And if they want to get the new rules, how do they find that one? Just go on Amazon, type in new rules of real estate. You'll see it's co-authored by my son and son-in-law. It's a really cool book. It's, it's going to give about 24 different experts who I've had on my show who kind of contributed to it. Some cool people, some cool names on there that the realtors would like, like Dr. Joe Vitale. He's not real estate. He's in the headspace, right? Mm-hmm. So guys like that are in there and I think they'd enjoy it. That's fascinating. Chris, this has been awesome. So again, lab coders, uh, go and, and, and let me just clarify this real quick. If, if they go to this free srecbook.com, I assume there's going to be a little spot where they can say that they heard this on the Lab Code Agents podcast. 
Yep, just address and where they heard it. Awesome. Okay, perfect. Lab coders, take advantage of this stuff. These guests are amazing. They're giving back just like we're giving to you. Uh, so once again, Chris, thank you for being on this show. And as always, Lab Coders, if you like what you heard today, again, don't keep us a secret. Come on, share this stuff. Uh, this is how we all grow together. It's people like Chris B. Fontaine uh, that are giving back to the industry to help us all be better at what we do. So don't keep us a secret. Make sure you share, like, and comment, and give us all the feedback you can give us. Uh, once again, Chris, it was awesome to spend a little time with you today. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you, and I appreciate getting to know you. Yeah, great questions. Thanks, Jeff. Pleasure. Thank you. Agents Podcast.